lives, we need to understand these three levels, these three layers of destiny warfare. I would like us to bow down our heads to pray. Father of light, you are the giver of your word. Today is the very first Sunday in the year 2011. In fact, the second day of the year. Lord, we know that you have designed it to be so. That on the very second day of the year 2011, we're going to be gathering together in your presence to seek your face. In this short period of time, Spirit of the living God, carry the word in my spirit. Carry the word in your heart, O oh God, and place it on the fight I grind in the hearts of your people. Lord, we come against every form of interference, every form of demonic manipulation, and we want to enter the free flow of your grace and of your power and of the reception of your word. Lord, we reject and we refuse every interference in the name of Jesus. We pray, Holy Spirit, you're the giver of the word. Move, permeate into the heart of everyone. Let there be a calibration. Let there be an infusion of the divine elements in our lives tonight. Lord, bypass our human element, our human limitations and give us a word in season. Challenge our heart. Charge us. Encourage us. Empower us. Lord, we will look back. We will stand as the hammer of Israel. We will say like Paul, I fought the good fight. I finished my cars. They are led for me. The crown of righteousness, not for me alone, but for those who will come after me. Lord, we'll be able to say like the giants of God. We'll be able to say like the champions of Christ. Lord, let it be. Let it be our testimony. At the end of this year, in the name of Jesus, grant us victory spiritually. Grant us victory emotionally. Grant us victory physically in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you praise and honor. In Jesus' precious name we pray. One of the critical things that I've learned in the study of God's word is that three is a, is a critical number in the scriptures. How many of us know that if, when we talk about God, God is in three realms. God is in three dimensions. You talk about the Father, you talk about the Son, and you also talk about the Holy Spirit. So three is a very critical word in the scriptures because it signifies the divine. It signifies the victory. It signifies the overcoming power. And so tonight, we're also going to be taking a look into the scripture to look at three levels of destiny warfare. And I believe that God has given us a word tonight. Let's open our Bible like I told us. We're going to stand together tonight to read 1 Chronicles chapter 11. I want all of us to expect something from God tonight. 1 Chronicles in chapter 11. If we're there together, we're going to take a reading from verse 22. Very, very strange scripture, but I want us to read it anyway. First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 22 through 23. Are we ready? Let's rise to read. Ready? Benair was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzeel who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like men of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian, a man of great height, five cubits tall. In Egyptians' hand there was a spear like a weaver's beam. And he went up to him with a staff wrested the spear out of the Egyptians' hand and killed him with his own spear. Critical scripture. Let's turn again tonight to the book of Philippians chapter 3, 
Philippians chapter 3. We're taking a reading from verse 13. Philippians chapter 3 in verse 13. Let me read from verse 12. Let's read together from verse 12. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14, I press for, towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Isaiah, that's it, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 43, let's turn to it. That's the last scripture we're reading. Isaiah 43, we read this in the crossover service. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19 tonight. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Ready? Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's take a seat. A man's life is subdivided into three segments, or what I call levels, or layers. One of these levels is apparently not as active as the other two levels, but critical in that it could become a playing ground for any form of non-progressive thought. I'm going to say it again. One of these three levels is non-active. But it could become a playing ground for a non-progressive thought. I'm going to quickly mention those three levels of warfare that we fight before we enter into our destiny. Number one, the past. Everyone said the past. We talked a little bit about that in the crossover service. We didn't finish. Number two, I'm going to start, interestingly, the future. Number two, the future. And number three, the present. Amazingly, that is the order in which I'm going to deal with them tonight. I'm going to deal with the past. I'm going to deal with the future. And I'm also going to deal with the present. Now, I want us to write right in front where you have written the word the past. Right in front of it, a dash. And put in front of the word the past, write the word memory. Write the word memory. And in front of the word the future, I want us to put a dash in front of the word future and write imagination. And in front of the word the present, I'd like you to write decisions. A man's life and the ability to reach the maximum of God 
and to accomplish the destiny placed on his life depends on these three levels of warfare. Most often than not, we undermine the power of the past in affecting a man's destiny. There have been several places in the scripture where people could not be much. Why? Because their great-grandfather had done something wrong and the children and grandchildren will have to pay for it. How many of us remember the man called Eli? Eli was a prophet of God, chosen of God. But by the time Eli was going to conclude his ministry, the Lord said that the priesthood has been taken away from him. So no one that comes through Eli will ever become a priest anymore. Do we remember that? Now, whoever the person will be, they live in the present. They did not know what Eli had done, but they were going to pay for what either their great-grandfather had done. It's critical. Many people have not flourished spiritually because they are coming from a background where it has been difficult for them to follow God. And God wants to give us a clean state. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. That every past you could ever have had in the past, God has taken care of your past by the power of the cross. The cross signified the end of a particular era in your life, in your history, in the name of Jesus. That's what it means. The cross signified the end of an era and it signified the beginning of a new era. That's why each time you see that tree, always remember, it is the end of my past. And it is the introduction of a new future for me. I have seen the many times that we need to understand the power that the past could play in a man's life. We've seen so many allegories tonight, and I'm going to go to some of those allegories tonight. But let me quickly mention to us, I mentioned we have three scriptures which we have read tonight. Three levels of warfare, I already mentioned that. But what are the three groups of people that are involved? Number one, Paul the Apostle. We read that in the book of Philippians chapter 3. Correct? Number two, Benaiah in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 11. Number three, Israel. As spoken as a word of prophecy to Israel in the book of Isaiah chapter 43. Three critical levels. Three critical people that are involved in the fulfillment of their destiny. Watch these three, these three people. Paul mentioned pressing towards the high calling of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. That's their destiny. Number two, Israel. They were on their journey to the land of Canaan, and God spoke to Israel after several failures. He said, you know what? I will do a new thing, and you shall know it. Shall you not know it? God spoke in the context of his plan and purpose for Israel, for his plan to bring them to the place of peace, to the place of fulfillment. Don't forget what Israel was to the entire world. And that's what Israel is today. Israel was a symbol nation. Israel was a, an example nation. It was a nation that God had chosen that through there, others can learn how to relate with the living God and abide by the rules and, the, and obey God in the way that Israel will. God knew that if he had chosen Israel and Israel obeyed him and the people saw the fruits of obedience, they will also, other nations will serve alongside with Israel. That was the plan. It was a grand plan. But I have also seen in the present today, let's talk about ourselves. That each of us have these three monsters to deal with. The past, 
the future and the present. And I'm going to go to them in quick succession because of time tonight. I started by saying to us that one of the greatest things that a man can know is to know the plan of God. Now, it is very important for us to know that the past or experiences of a man could become a deterrent or could delay or derail the divine plan of God for his life. As good and powerful the memory that the past could be. I mean, it was not as great treasure in memory. The ability to remember things. But there are things that when you remember them could become an actually's ear. Could become a clog in the wheel of your progress. There are things in your past that God wants it to be buried in the past. God does not want those things to have any impact on your present, neither on your future. Because they will create an impossible future for you. They will make it impossible for you to be able to approach a greater height that God wants to provide for you. There have been several men in the scriptures whose past became and actually is ill to them. I'm going to go to those things tonight, but let me first of all talk about the issues of the past. Number one, there are two things that usually happen in a man's past. Number one, the good things of the past. Is that not true? Good things are good. All of us love things to be good. And many of us have had good experiences in our past. But God is saying those experiences are good, but don't let them predict what your future will be like. You've had great, wonderful experiences in your past, but what I'm about to do in your life, the, present, the past cannot even comprehend what I have in plan for your future. That's why the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, eyes have not seen. So whatever you have seen is nothing. Ears have not heard. So whatever you've heard before is nothing. Neither has he entered into the hearts of men. What the Lord has prepared for them that love him. In other words, for you to be in love with God, God is constantly thinking and making plans for your life. I want you to look at yourself and say, God is constantly thinking about me and making plans for my life and having a purpose for my life. You're not alone. God is walking behind the scene. How great and how, how wonderful is it for me to know that when I stand in the position when it appears nothing is happening, there is somebody behind the scene. He's an invisible God. No one can withstand his grace and his power. When God swings his power towards me, no one can withstand it. And it's sukkah. It's a sukkah to me. It's, it's a beautiful assurance to me that God is behind the scene in my life. I want to look at say God is behind the scene. He is. So when the good happen, when we have experienced some good experience, God is saying, I agree with it. They are great. They are wonderful. But don't let it be a problem in your future. I'm going to give you a critical example in the scriptures. How many of us know the man called Samson? Samson was a great man of God. Called of God with a divine destiny on his life. Samson, at every major junction in his life, had experienced overwhelming manifestation of the power of God. He lifted up the gates of the enemy. He lifted up a jaw, the jawbone of an ass and killed several thousands of the Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. But Samson was living and relishing the past, not knowing what the plan of God was for the future. Do you remember that he lost the grip over his connection with God? Samson began to lay on the lap of a strange woman. And one day, even though he had had a good past, he was living on the reality of the past, not the present. He had been disconnected with God. The Bible says, and Samson did not know that the Lord has departed from him. Do we get it? It was a good pass, but God has departed. And he said one day when the enemies came against him, he said, and I will arise. And I will do like the other time. And uh, 
He rose, but there was nothing left. He lived on the past, but there was no present. That is why as good as your past could be, you need to be careful that your past does not become a problem to the very present of your days. So there are so many people like that. They've had a great, wonderful past. And there are many people in the church who are living and relishing the glory of the past. God is saying, move forward. Don't leave them there. Each time Israel tabernacled in a place, God will speak to his servant. Tell my people to go forward. I mentioned to us the other day, I said, and this is a great quote from a great man. You know, Alexander the Great, you remember what he said? He said, conquest has made me what I am, and conquest will sustain me. In other words, conquest brought me here. But the day that I cease to conquer, I'm gone. Conquest will sustain me. In the same way in the spiritual realm, conquest has brought us to where we are today. It is conquest that will sustain us. That's why the Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We must understand that. We're walking and we're fighting against an enemy who is relentless. The devil is a ruffian. The devil does not give up easily. And we must be awake as believers, standing on the threshold of a great grace of God and walking our way through into the divine victory of God. I remember Paul the Apostle several times. He said, well, I fell into the victim. I fell into the peril of, of false brethren. I fell into it many times in fasting and in prayer. Paul never let down. He never let go. He head on. We're going to read that and we're going to get there. But that was the man that we saw ahead of us. He, he head on to it. Jesus, many times, he said, well, I have, a, I, have a, I have a business which you do not know about. I have a meat to eat which you do not see. I must be about my father's business. Every time. One time he deserved said, oh, maybe he was hungry. Jesus wasn't talking about physical food. He said, I have a food to eat that you do not know about. Jesus was consistently persistent in the purpose of God. Many times in the book of Luke, the Bible said Jesus went to the mountain to pray all night. He went to the mountain all by himself. He held on to it. I want to say to you tonight, there is a victory waiting for you, but you must hold on to it. Hold on to it. Don't live on the past glory. Don't live on the past glory. Number two, when I'm talking about a monstrous past, the past that, you know, a past that we thought was okay, but something somewhere in the past we need to be careful about. Number two issue about the past is that there were some inconclusive battles that we fought in the past. We need to be careful of those battles because they will come back. Let me give you a clear example. There are many believers who had had victory over certain areas of your life, particularly in the flesh. I want us to know that those battles were inconclusive because the flesh will rise up again. Do you remember Moses? Moses was a man used of God who had tremendous strength. For 40 years was trained to be a deliverer. And Moses did a good job. I mean, I, I, you know, I doffed my heart for that man. Anytime I write this story, he's one of the heroes that I love so much. Moses, a wonderful, I'm going to read about him tonight. But to, the truth is, Moses did a tremendous job. In no way will I be able to stand here and criticize that man of God. But I'm just saying, the Bible said these things have been written for our example. What example do we stand to learn? Moses did well. Trained by God. He was a man of a high temper. But for 40 years, he was trained by God. Went back to Egypt. And brought the people out. You know what it means to lead a, millions of people out of Israel? And they were not only the people of Israel, there were also mixed multitude among them. That was the real danger. Mixed multitude. And Moses maintained his courage. One time God was fed up with the people and said, I was going to wipe them out. Moses said, no. How will you think other nations would think? That you brought them out to kill them in the wilderness? No. You won't do that, Lord. Rather kill me. Wipe me out. 
What a man. But the last minute where Moses got to Kadesh Barnea, just while they were looking at Canaan, Canaan in view, the Bible says the man has reached his end. Moses says, shall we bring water out of the rock for you? God said, no. Now, and Moses struck the rock. Meanwhile, God spoke to me, speak to the rock. That's what I'm saying tonight, that there are inconclusive battles in our lives. We thought we have overcome certain things, they will come back. You've overcome lust, it is going to come back. You've overcome temptation, it's going to come back. You've overcome anger, it's going to come back. It will come back. Those are inconclusive battles. We need to be honest with ourselves. That is why the grand plan of God for us as believers is to remain sanctified. Ever say sanctified. There is a place for sanctification. And you know the word sanctification is not something you do one day and then you forget it. No. Sanctification is a process, a continuous process that will keep us in check until we see him face to face. Because the day we lose our grip on sanctification, you'll be surprised at yourself. How many of us have surprised us? I, I did that. <laughs> Me, Christian, I did that. You would do things that you would never believe you, have, you could have done. I'm telling you. Why? Because there are inconclusive battles. Number three, there are some hard and terrible decisions that cost us so much. You know, we made some decisions that were very terrible. And you know what it did? It left us with a bog of fear. It was a bog. I mean, it wasn't a bog. It, leaves, it left a bog on you, a bog of fear. Now, what happens is because you've made some terrible decisions in the past, now we have become indecisive. Why? Because we are afraid of making another wrong decision. Meanwhile, God is saying it is time to move forward. You've got to make up your mind where you want to be. There are some decisions. They've left a bug on us and we're fearful and doubtful. God said, no, that's the past. Number four. How many of us know that one, this is one area, all of us will have a share of this. Many of us have been wounded in trust in the past. Is it not true? We've been disappointed by the closest and the most trusted people around us. And when we look at men today, we treat them the way in reaction to how we were disappointed. So we look at everyone and we, we, we relate with them with a, with a long pole. We do not want to move too close. Why? Because we don't want to be disappointed again. Wounded in trust. Wounded in trust. These are some of the issues that are coming from our past. And you know what? If we're not careful, good people will bypass us and we'll never know. I'm being honest with us. Great men and women that God has placed at certain junctures in our lives that will be of impact in your life could bypass you and you will never know it. Why? Because we have already have a preconceived idea based on the wound that we sustain because of trust. Number five, unnatualized dreams. How many of us know that when you dreamt and it never came to pass? If you're not careful, you don't want to dream anymore. You want to give up on dreaming. But I have this to say to everyone in church that keep dreaming. Everyone say, keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. Oh, yes. One didn't work, another will work. Keep dreaming. You engage in a business, it fell off, it fell apart, it fell out. Don't worry about it. It's time to make another decision. Hallelujah. You tried one thing, it didn't work. Move ahead. Do it. Do something else. I remember Winston Churchill. One of the things Winston Churchill said, we may remember Second World War. He said, never, never, never quit. That was his only message to the Hamill of British. And they never quit. And they won the battle. What am I saying tonight? Never quit. You made one decision, it never, it never came to pass. One of your dreams did not come true. Don't stay there. Unnaturalized dream. Another we work. Number six. 
unfulfilled promises. <laughs> there are times we thought we, we received a great promise from God. I have seen believers say, I was holding on to God's word. I was holding on to God's word, but somehow everything just didn't work out. No? No? If it's a promise from God, you are calculating the promise based on your own schedule. God's promise does not have your schedule written on it. If it is God's promise, it is his own schedule that is written on it. And at his own time, his promise will not but come to pass. I've told us this before several times. Joshua chapter 21, Joshua chapter 23. The Bible says, all that the Lord has spoken to Israel, Joshua was challenging the people. He said, all that the Lord said to you, all of them, none of them failed. All came to pass. All of them came to pass. Every word, every good thing that the Lord has said to you, Israel, all came to pass. And I want to say to you tonight, every good thing that the Lord has said to you will come to pass. It will come to pass. Uh, let me quickly go to this and say, you know, those are the good, some of the good things we saw, yeah, they, that are also the ugly past that made us to make decisions and we said things like this. Let's hear some of those statements. And this is, some, this is my own way of looking at the ugly past. You know, I mean, it wasn't that when you really have a rough edge in the past, it can create a hole in us that we don't want to do anything but throw in the towel anymore. Because it created a hole in us. And we have statements like this, I won't try anymore, I'm done. What's the point? I quit. It's over. That's the statement we make. It's over. I quit. What's the point? I'm done. I won't try anymore. But God wants us to know tonight that sometimes it has to get worse to get there. <laughs> it must get what? Worse for it to get better. You know why? If it does not get worse, you will depend on your ability. You will think it's your strength that accomplished it. But when it gets really worse, when you get to the end of yourself, God says, now it's time for me to take over. Many times God is waiting for the time when you say, oh Lord, I'm, I'm, it's over now. Uh, if you really don't help me, I'm done. And then God said, well, let the weak say, I am strong. The Bible said when we're weak, then he's strong. For his strength is made perfect in our weakness. How is it that God's strength is made perfect in your weakness? How is it? God says, it's when you're weak that I am strong. But many times we don't want it. We want everybody to know that we're strong. And this is particular with us, many of us who are preachers. We want to show everybody that we're strong. But at times you really need to tell everybody, you know, I really need help. I need God in this season to help me. Let me take us to a story in the past that could be so dangerous. Numbers chapter 11. Let's take a look at this story. Numbers chapter 11. I'm just talking about the past years, right? Numbers chapter 11. Hallelujah to Jesus. Numbers chapter 11. In Numbers chapter 11, this is what the scripture says. Here Israel left Egypt. How many of us remember the woes and the ugly experiences that Israel had in Egypt? But let's listen to what Israel said, what these people said in verse 5 of Numbers chapter 11. Can we read together with me? Verse 5 of Numbers chapter 11. This is what it says. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. Is it true? Did they eat freely? <laughs> Did they eat freely? 
No, Israel did not eat freely, but somehow they were disillusioned. They were living in a past that did not exist. You know, it's so easy when God has taken you through an experience. Now you are in the place of peace. You can begin to have a phantom experience of something that never happened at all. He says, we remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. <laughs> Did Israel eat freely in Egypt? The Bible said they were subject to bondage after the death of Joseph. And there was an arrow that, that was a king that rose up after the death of Joseph that increased the task of them for one reason. He said the number of the people has increased in the land. They could stage a war against us. So increase the burden of the people. And Israel left after they cried to God. And God visited them. And they got to the wilderness because of meat. Ever say meat? Do you know what I put to them here? God had already given them manna. So it was not because they didn't have food. There was food. But they said, ah, we're eating, what is it? That's why God gave it to them. God gave them, what is it? They said, what's it? And that, God said, so what's it? And God said, that's the name, what's it? That's the name of the food, what's it? And they were eating, and the one day they said, ah, we need another meat. This is not enough. And it isn't that God doesn't want to give. God knew what was best for them. How I many of us know that many times God has given us what is best for us, but we have seen something somewhere, and our mind is going after it. Now, can I tell us this? They said they had fish. Where was the fish in Egypt? Where was it? And now they said, we wanted meat. And God said, you want meat? After all that I've done for you? Don't forget, I want us to read the next verse and see what manner was to these people before they requested for this. Let's read it. He said, but our whole being is dried up. Can you imagine? They said they dried up. There is nothing. I'm reading verse 6. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now, what does that manna help them to do? Let's read the next verse. The Bible says, Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color like the color of a delium. Number eight. The people went about and gathered it, and ground it on a mist stone, and beat it in the mortar, cooked it in a pan, and made cakes of it. And it, its taste was like the taste of a pastry prepared with oil. What are they talking about? They said there is nothing. Is it that there was nothing? That's the human mind. This is what I'm saying today. I want us to get this right. They left Egypt already. So the issue was not Egypt. They already left. So the issue now is that in their present, they were craving for something in their past. Let me just drive this home. How many of us know that if believers are not careful, in your present condition, you can begin to crave for something in the past that actually did not exist? We can look around at other nations and feel they're having a feel, you know, they're having the best of their days. And you as a believer, you're having the worst of your days. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Do you know who did this? I'm going to show it to us tonight. Do you know who did this? It wasn't the making of Israel. I will tell you who did this to them. Let's turn about it. That same passage. Don't, don't, don't close it. Can we read verse 4? I didn't want to tell us this. I wanted us to see how they came about this. Verse 4. Are we ready in verse 4? Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again. What happened? It wasn't their making. Israel was, they had no clue before. But because of the mixed multitude. And many of us have noticed that in your life, this is one of the battles you will have to face. You will have to be careful of the association that you keep. 
you will have to be careful of the words you allow in your life. Because those things stand a great potential of bringing you back into an old vomit that you have already forgotten. That's why the Bible said, do not remember the former things. Don't remember Egypt. Don't. The story of Benaiah that we read, that's why I told us it's, it's a warfare. Do you remember the, the Benaiah? Three things the Bible speaks. Let's get back home and read it. First Chronicles chapter 11. The Bible says, and Benaiah killed a lion-like man of Moab. That was the first thing he did. Is that true? That he went down into the valley to kill a lion in a snowy day. Number three. And he also killed an Egyptian who has a spear in his hand like the weaver's beam. Correct? Do you know those three things speaks about our lives as believers? Number one, Egypt. Number two, Moab. Number three, a lion. Hallelujah. Egypt speaks of your past. That's what he's saying. The Bible said the man went ahead and killed an Egyptian who had a spear in his hand. Every of our past had a spear in their hand. The intent of the past is to pierce you. Is to drag you back to where you came from. That's the intent. That's why we're in the company of Benaiah tonight. We're going to slay every Egyptian. Every spirit of Egypt that is left. Israel left Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. Physically they left, but their mind was still in Egypt. May the Lord help us as believers that long after we have left the world, our minds will be totally delivered from the influence of the world. That's why Romans chapter 12 verse 2, the Bible says, Be not conformed to this word, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is he saying? In other words, it is possible that you have physically left Egypt. Now you worship with the people of God. Now you profess that you are a believer. But somewhere in the crevices of our minds, we still crave for the things of Egypt. And God said, don't do it. Egypt is never no good. Egypt is no good. Don't do it. We crave for those pleasurable times. We crave for those opportunities we saw in those men. And many of the times, we compare ourselves with unbelievers. You have no ground of comparison with yourself with an unbeliever. They are completely different from you. Immediately you gave your life to Christ, you became a different species. Your life has been changed. Your spirit has been regenerated. You're on your way to heaven. Your path is being ordered by God. In what way can you compare yourself with somebody who has not no connection with the living God, with the God of Jacob? No way! Hallelujah. I'm going to stop on the past tonight. Ah, what a great opportunity. Don't you see that it's something we need to deal with? The past. The horror of the past. The odds of the past. Militating against our present. We're going to fight this battle. Is it a one-day battle? No. That's why I told us to go read First Chronicles. Now, let's see what Paul said. That's why I'm going to close tonight. What did Paul say about the past? Philippians chapter 3. What did Paul say about the past? I may as well leave this as a series and not just rush through it. As well leave it as a series. It's important. Philippians chapter 3. Can we read together with me? <laughs> Paul said in verse 12, Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Let me tell us that in another version of the Bible that is not yet that I have. It says, I've been arrested for a purpose. Therefore, 
I must arrest the purpose of which I've been arrested. That's what Paul said. He said, I've been arrested for a purpose. Therefore, I must arrest the purpose for which I've been arrested. What was Paul talking about? Let's see what he said. In verse 13. I want everybody to pay attention to verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. What is it that Paul was always doing? One thing I do. One thing. What is it? Forgetting. Ever say forgetting. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. This is an apostle. This is a man of God with a class. And he said, even after so many years of working with the Lord, he said, I never cease. Because the word forgetting means I keep doing it. Ever say I keep. I keep doing it. Forget it. Forget it. I keep reminding myself. The past is gone. You're a new man. You're a new man. You have a new purpose. The past is gone. You have no place in the past. I've read several testimonies of men of God at some point in their life who will have to constantly ask God for help. I read this story about a man that many of us will have probably know, you know, was a, you know, a mathematics professor. And one time, when God started to use him, the great hand of God was upon him. One day, he said each time he slept at night, he would always remember himself in the class teaching algebra, teaching X plus 3 minus 4, and his heart was craving going back to the classroom. He said one day he woke up in the morning, he started to cry. He said, God, let me not go back. <laughs> we probably remember him. He's old now, you know, and cried and cried, oh, God, help me. He craved to be in the classroom again. But God showed him and said, I have given me you, my people, to teach that should be enough for you. Forgetting the things that are in the past. Are there things in my past that I need to forget? Plenty. <laughs> Plenty of them that I need to forget. And say, Lord, give me grace. And you know what the Lord said in Isaiah chapter, chapter 43? He said, do not remember the former things. You know what he said? I said that to us the other day. Shut the memory. Oh yeah. Shut down the memory. The memory that will haunt your future, shut it down. Many of us are thinking, oh, why did I make that decision in the first place? The decision is already made. Forget about that. What you need to say now is that I have already made the decision. Which way forward? Is, do we get it right? What is the way forward? I've already made a decision. It's over. I can't go back. I cannot make what I've already made. But one thing I can do is I can make a decision today. That's why today is a day of decision. I can make a decision today that will determine my future. Hallelujah. I can't finish. Let's rise up to pray tonight. Ah, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen to Jesus. Amen to Jesus. We are all entering into the place where the Egyptian is today. We're going to slay every Egyptian today. Every spirit of the world. Everything in our past. Every failure of the past. Every goodness, every success of the past that may want to affect our today and our tomorrow. No wonder the scriptures in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, laying aside every weight and the sin that easily beset us. What do you think the scripture is saying? It says, lay aside the weight and the thing that easily, in other words, in the time past, it has become a problem to you. Lay it aside. Lay it aside. Lay aside every thought. Every thought that will not allow you to see into what God wants to do. And let me leave this message with us because next week we're going to continue on this. Let me say this to us. If God does not deliver us from the past, it will affect our vision for tomorrow. 
you will not be able to see clearly into what God wants to do now and what he's going to do tomorrow if God does not break us from the past. Can we pray tonight? It's a good message for the first day of the year. Yes, you had wars in 2010, but 2010 is gone. Hallelujah. It's what? It's gone. It's over. You made plans. It never came to pass. I agree. Forget it. It's gone. You thought of something you could have done and it never worked out. That's okay. Forget it. Don't let us have, you know, worry and anxiety over something you cannot control. Do you know what I noticed? You cannot control the past. You have no control anymore over the past. It's gone. You know who can control it? Leave it to God. Let him handle it. Say, cast your care upon me, for I care for you. You throw it unto me. Because the word care in the scripture, casting means you go take a trash and throw it unto me. That's what it means. Throw it on me. Let's close our eyes tonight. And say, Lord, I thank you for your grace over my life. I want to thank you for how far you have brought me. No wonder the scripture, either though the Lord has brought us. Can we just speak to the Lord and say, Lord, either though you have brought me. I'm grateful for how far you have brought me. I'm grateful for how far you have brought me. You've delivered me from the power of darkness. Yes, Lord, either to the Lord has brought me. I want to thank you, Father, because you have delivered me. We give you glory tonight. We bless your name tonight. We glorify you. We worship you. We adore you tonight, oh God, for what you've done. For what you have done. For what you have done. We are not going to be complaining anymore about what we, did, we thought we could have had, but we did not have. What a great victory that God gave to us by bringing us after the clutches of the enemy. Giving us victory. We give you praise tonight. We bless your name, our Father. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We honor your name today, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I want us to lay our hands on our hearts tonight as we're going to say after me. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you today for giving me a life. Giving me another opportunity. Another shot at life. 2010 is gone. It's a new year. It's a new day. It's a new opportunity. Therefore, Lord Jesus, I receive the spirit of Christ in my mind. I will not be bogged down anymore by my past, by my awful memory. I receive grace to be detached and disconnected. From the past that has not helped me. Lord, I detach myself from my past glories. For I know, Lord, you have a greater plan for my future. All that I thought you have done in the past, what you are about to do is far greater. Is far greater than what you have seen in the past. Therefore, I renew my mind. In the word of God, forgetting the things that are in the past, forgetting the things that are in the past. Holy Spirit, help me to constantly forget the things that are in my past. Help me to constantly reach out for the things that are ahead of me. Yes, Lord Jesus, I receive your word. I receive your word. I receive your word. I receive your word in Jesus' name. Let's just...
begin to speak to the Lord tonight. Just, just speak to the Lord concerning your life. Oh Lord, I just thank you tonight. If you can pray in the Spirit, just pray in the Spirit. Just pray in the Spirit. Just pray in the Spirit. No more pressure for my past. Lord, I reject every mixed multitude in my past that are coming to remind me of my past. Every association, every friendship, that brings every evil memory of my past. I reject tonight in the name of Jesus. I refuse tonight in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Those who will remind me of my inabilities, those who will try to remind me of my, inner, my, 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 my failures, Lord, I reject all of that tonight. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, tonight. We give you glory tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for a brighter tomorrow for everyone in this place. We give you glory tonight. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Father, what can we say tonight? But that you are a great God. Lord, we have found ourselves in the company of Benaiah tonight. A man who probably was not honored among several people. He did not have a title. We don't need a title. We just need God. We don't need the applause of men. We just need a clear revelation. We don't need what men say about us. We just need what you are saying about us. What you're saying is that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, therefore tonight we receive grace. Not to live anymore in our past. Many of us are thinking of how many years we have lost. Oh God, look at me. I wish I've done this when I was 20. I wish I did this when I was 10. Those days were gone. Lord, we're making new decisions. The whole life lies ahead of us. We're making appropriate decisions from tonight. We will move forward. We will go forward. We reject every monster that is coming from our past. Every indecisive battle. Every uncompleted battle. Every wounded trust. Lord, we reject all of those tonight. We receive liberty in our spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Glory to God tonight. Let's clap our hands and give glory to the Lord tonight. Hallelujah to Jesus. I can see a brighter future for every one of us if we can just forget the past. Hallelujah. Just say, forget it. It's over. Amen and amen. 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 I was sharing one time with my wife in college. I saw some, some, some young men that came to the college. They went to the best high schools. Many of us who were in Nigeria remember the school we call, you know, Thai, you know uh, Mayflower. They went to those schools and they came to the college. You know what happened to them? They were living in the past glory. And you know what they did? They failed when they got to college. Why? Because they thought they came from the best schools. If you came from the best school, if you don't do right now, you will lose it. I don't care who came from the best school or who didn't come from the best school. What are you doing with your life now? That's what matters. The Lord will bless us. You know what? 
the Lord will bless us in this place. Amen. We're not looking at the past. We're, we're holding on now. Maybe you should write it down. Oh, yeah, we're bubbling for joy in this place this year. The Lord is opening doors for us in this place this year. Oh, yeah. And it's going to begin with you. It's going to begin with you. It's going to begin with you. It's going to begin with your family in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's bring out our offerings to the Lord tonight. Let's bring out our offerings to the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lord Jesus tonight. Glory to the Lord tonight.